Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Becky Hull, Harriet Russell and Georgina Blasky. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. How's everybody? Good. Feeling quite zen after the weekend with Storm Kira. It sort of forced me to switch off yesterday and do nothing and stay indoors. So I feel very refreshed. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Stayed in all day. You've probably got some good recommendations then if you sat inside all day. Well, I have one. And actually, despite sitting inside all day, I read as well, guys. (laughs) So (laughs) I have just started watching something called The Stranger on Netflix. A lot of people have been talking about this. It's by Helen Coben, who also did another show on Netflix called Safe. And that was hugely popular and it was so addictive to watch it was basically about somebody's daughter who went missing and they all lived in an estate which was like locked if that makes sense so it had to be somebody in that area so it was a real mystery and it was so addictive it was very colourful and quite a young cast and this is similar but it's got Jennifer Saunders in it's got a real sort of stellar lineup. And it also has Devla Kerwin. She has been in, she was in Ballycus Angel for oh, yeah. anyone that watched yeah, it. Okay. She's been in some absolute She's a Sunday classic. night kind of she's, Sunday night she's a Sunday night actress, girl. isn't she? But basically, yeah. she's actually one of the main characters in this. And I've only seen two, as I said, but it started with a husband who is married to her. And he finds out this massive secret about her regarding faking pregnancies and this doesn't give anything away because I am still completely none the wiser but (laughs) he finds these things out he does some digging and then she disappears and then you've sort of got another story going on at the same time where a teenager has been murdered we think so it's all sort of kicking off I think what's so addictive about it is the sort of young cast the cool cast it's very colorful there's another good sort of playlist to it so I'm intrigued and I'm hooked I can't wait to sit down properly okay and how many episodes are I think there's eight. Fun. Okay. Probably not fun. I would say it started off like the first episode was quite cheery and quite light. And then, oh my God, I've just finished the second one and it ended with an absolute zinger. Like, I won't give that away. Maria, who's editing the podcast, was it you who said there was a very unexpected ending? She's nodding. Yes. Okay. So there you go. It's great. I'm into it. So I'm excited to finish. Good new one to watch. What about you guys? Have you been watching anything good? I actually had a very sort of active weekend. I was saying to Becky earlier, I was out every single day at something. And it started out off, I think, with The Best of the Bunch, which was a play, actually, which unfortunately is at the National Theatre in London. So if you don't live in London, it's perhaps not one you're going to get to. But if you do... But NT Live. Indeed. And it may well be streamed (laughs) in the future. But it was Three Sisters... Which, for people who are not familiar, it's a Chekhov play. And it's the basic premise is three sisters move from Moscow to the countryside. And it's all a very like domestic play about tensions and isolation and sort of what that does to women who are trapped in sort of, you know, 18th century Russia with not a lot to do, basically. However, this adaptation has been brought right sort of up to date in a way because it's been transformed into 1970s Nigeria. So it's very, very diverse. The cast is all pretty much Nigerian or British Nigerian. So it's very authentic in its casting. And it's set at a time which I had absolutely no 
knowledge of prior to going to see it, which was Biafra. Biafra is an area in Nigeria that in the late 60s and early 70s tried to declare independence, basically, and failed. And in so failing to do that, it caused a four-year civil war. So the premise is that these three sisters have moved from Lagos in Nigeria to an area of the countryside, which is now in the Biafran sort of sect that's trying to move away from otherwise Nigeria mainland. So you've got this sort of civil war backstory going on at the same time as the normal sort of Chekhov plot. And does the story translate? It translates perfectly. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so incredible. And also what was great was that the audience for once in a London theatre was as diverse as the play that it was putting on. And my mum had seen it the week before and she had said to me and I felt exactly the same way. It was so refreshing to be in an audience that was so lively and so engaged with what they were seeing because they saw their own story reflected on the stage and I mean at one point I thought I was in like panto there was so much like <laughs> ooing and ahhing from the audience and I mean I won't spoil too much but there are affairs and there are you know sort of backstabbing and there's a very unpopular female character and she was getting booze and I just thought like this is amazing I've not been in a quite sort of upmarket and in a sense sort of highbrow theatre where there's been so much sort of lively engagement so yeah I'd really recommend cool. going if you can the run is limited I think it's on for possibly the next couple of weeks and then that's it so definitely go if you can the good thing about the National is that they have sort of a policy with ticket prices that means it rarely goes above sort of £60 for the best seat in the house. So, you know, it can range from anything from sort of £15 upwards. So it's it's fairly affordable if you're wanting to squeeze in. I feel like for so long, trying to translate theatre into a more relatable setting or relatable kind of format, it's been kind of exclusively for Shakespeare. Like And, and like people have been kind of trying to do that for so long to kind of varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. But how cool, particularly for us, I think I studied Three Sisters or many moons ago <laughs> so how cool again whether you've got children that you're trying to engage with you know I'm looking at you in, well, in classic literature yeah. and that kind of thing to make it a bit more exciting and interesting also talking about the audience reaction so I was reading about Battersea Arts Centre have started new performances and they're called I think it's relaxed performances and the idea is that you can get up walk in and out if you need to it's not that you sit there having a chat with your neighbour while the play's going on. And there's been a lot of concern, apparently, about how these performances would run and how would they distract the actors or members of the audiences. But Bassey Arts Centre has now decided to make all their performances relaxed performances because, actually, once people know they don't have to sit stock still and, yeah. and they're not allowed to sneeze or anything... Mm. People don't get up. There is no distraction for anybody. And they've said it's just gone down really well. And also for people with disabilities who need to be able to come in and access... They've worked really well. I was about to say, I, I feel like I've read about that and it's an inclusivity thing, isn't it? But they do it so that if you've got autism or you know whatever it may be, yeah. there's no fear and pressure of having to sit there. Yeah, exactly, as you say, kind of statuesque. Mm. A great example, actually, on Friday night was there's a tense scene between two characters. You can tell they're about to embark on an affair, which is just going to end badly. <laughs> and the tension is like right up there. It's fever pitch. And the female character is sat on the sofa. It's very, very quiet and tense. And suddenly this mobile phone goes off very loudly. Classic. So in the audience. In the audience. In the audience. But because the energy in the audience was so lively, her next line happened to be, do you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) So she said it. And of course, the whole place fell apart laughing. But it was so energizing because people were like whooping and cheering. And then the actress sort of broke for a minute and sort of broke the fourth wall and started laughing herself. And then she was looking down. And it was because she then knew that her 
her next line was, isn't that really loud? Oh, no. <laughs> God, I bet the person who had the phone was happy yeah. there. Yeah. Like, yeah. well. It creates more of a kind of connection between mm-hmm. you and the actors. And I think that's, you know, some people can find really intimidating about the mm. theatre is this kind of us and them yeah. culture. So if those walls are sort of broken down in a kind of more interactive way, then great. Yeah, yeah. and it feels like a trend, obviously, with Fleabag and everything, sort of experimenting with that fourth mm. wall stuff and then these relaxed performances. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a sort of new genre of theatre opening yeah. up where that's not going to be such a strict device. I have to say, that's why I've always loved NT Live as well. I get really uncomfortable in the theatre. I... Well, theatre seats are generally oh, oh, they're they're about 150 years old with a spring sticking exactly. up at the bottom. So uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Very hot. Exactly. Just generally can be quite unpleasant. Often if you have rude to put your coat in your bag, it's on your lap, you know. And also, again, if you can't get tickets to things or if you don't live in London, I think that NT Live is the most unbelievable initiative. I think the ENO as well, the International yeah, Opera, have been doing it ballet. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's just democratising theatre more and more, which I think is just amazing because how nice to be able to sit there in your trackies yeah. eating snacks and not disturbing anyone, you know, in a cinema setting. Yeah, it's a good point because on Saturday I went to an NT Live thing and it was the Lehman Trilogy, which, you know, I won't bang on about because I know we've talked about it on the podcast mm. before, but... You know, that was a play that was put on initially in 2018 mm-hmm. in the National. It then transferred to the West End. It went to the US. It's about to go back to Broadway. There's probably no way I would have seen it mm-hmm. if it wasn't for NT Live. And also, it's three and a half hours long. I really don't want to sit after work or on a Saturday night for three and a half hours having sat on my desk all day in a London theatre. Yeah. So how nice that you can kind of choose a reclining chair in the cinema. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch something much more lowbrow now, which is a couple of films that I have watched recently. One of them being Booksmart. I feel like you will have definitely seen that. Oh, no, no, I, I haven't. haven't. I haven't. Definitely. To watch it, no. It's definitely on my list. So it's on Amazon Prime and it's sort of a coming of age story. It's kind of super bad for girls, but in a much more modern 2020 appropriate way. It stars Caitlin Denver, who is the girl from Unbelievable, which was the Netflix series last year that a lot of people loved. And also Beanie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's younger sister. Is she? She is identical to him. Yeah, now you know that you'll be like, oh yeah. And it's basically about two girls who, it's their final day of of school before they head off to university or college in the States. They've both got places at like Yale and Harvard or whatever. And they have been kind of fastidiously studying for the entirety of their high school career. You know, they're the kind of inverted commas geeks of the year they've never gone to parties they've never drunk they've never done anything wild and they have a, a real snobbery about this kind of they, they look down on their classmates uh, you know the reason they've done so well and gone to college is because of this kind of no fun approach to high school on this final day again this isn't a spoiler they find out that actually it turns out all of their classmates have also got into really great colleges despite having fun at high school so they have this kind of massive panic that they've never done anything fun and that it's time to let loose they've got one last chance to let loose and enjoy themselves before they go off to college so that's what I mean about it being kind of super bad like it's about them trying to infiltrate the coolest parties hook up with the coolest people you know trying and experimenting different things etc etc over the course of one night it's a incredibly relatable you know super bad not so relatable <laughs> maybe for a teenage boy maybe it wasn't the time but this I think any girl can relate to what it felt like what they feel like there's a kind of outsider status obviously that feels I think whoever you are whatever you were in high school you can relate to and I think the most refreshing thing about it is Caitlin Denver's character is gay and it's just never 
even like no eyelid is battered at it it's not addressed as some big issue she's got quite christian parents and the point at which you meet them like they've kind of long since known that there's a kind of romantic arc within the story not between the two girls their best friends but about her and other girls and that is the main romantic love story of the film it's a film about friendship first and foremost but i just love the modern approach to sexuality which is why would we even bother addressing this Mm. it's just who the character happens to be and so in that way it kind of takes the conventional teen movie coming of age thing and completely flips on its head and it's just so refreshing to see a teenage girl's story told in that way without it being some kind of taboo yeah Yeah. it's just kind of part and parcel as opposed to primary focus which I really loved the other film I want to recommend in the same breath is Animals which is based on the novel by Emma Jane Unsworth. It's completely different. I feel like you're kind of going to relate to one or the other. I certainly related more to Book Smart than to Animals. <laughs> it is about two girls in Dublin who are in their early 30s or kind of turning 30 who are complete hot messes, basically. If you're familiar with Sally Rooney's novels, they reminded me a lot of those characters, kind of, you know, don't really eat, sustain themselves on a lot of drugs, a lot of booze, and a lot of partying. And they're pretty gross. They're kind of dirty party girls. I guess that's why it's called animals. <laughs> it stars Holiday Granger, who's oh, in loads, yeah. and Alia Shawkat, who you know from Arrested Development. She was the young girl with curly hair, if you ever watched that. And it's basically another story about female friendship, relationships, nothing happens per se. It's it's about them kind of going through their lives and kind of the trials and tribulations of working out friendships, kind of jealousy and career successes and relationship lows, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, again, a kind of really frank, honest look at modern friendship, modern women without judgment. It's kind of looking at their lives through a lens, but without kind of any criticism or critical analysis even. It's just, here are some girls, this is their lives. And again, that's a really refreshing approach to modern women in cinema, I think. Does it feel girls-esque or does it... It's much more British. Mm -hmm. It's less annoying because Mm -hmm. there's much less self-analysis. Like, Lena Dunham in Girls is so kind of... Navel-gazing, yeah. So navel-gazing, so in her own head, so self-absorbed. So it's got a much less American kind of sentiment and emotional intelligence I suppose which I think is a good thing wow I'd like to see both of them now and actually Daisy Buchanan a friend of the Sherlock show who's a great author in her own right came on and recommended some new novels uh, that everyone should read last week on the show and Emma Jane Arnsworth has a new book out called Adults yeah have you read it it? I haven't read it yet okay but you've got it but I've got it I'll be interested (laughs) to know what you think because it sounds kind of similar vibes yeah she's kind of a Sally Rooney for people a decade Mm. older Mm. isn't she so yeah I really recommend I thought it was about time we focused specifically on podcasts. There's quite a few out there at the moment, ours obviously included. <laughs> and Harriet, you've started a monthly feature where you recommend some new bright spots in the podcast world. Becky, I'm sorry, I know you don't really listen to podcasts, do you? Did you bother giving this a go? But I did. Oh my God, you did. <laughs> this is big news. We've it's been trying to persuade news. you for quite a long time. It is big news. Um, so Harriet, I'll come to you first uh, mm-hmm. with your recommendations. And then, God, Becky, can't wait to hear yours. <laughs> did my homework. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Harriet, what are the best new podcasts out there now that you're enjoying? My favourite at the moment is not a brand new show, it's just a brand new series Mm -hmm. of the show, which is... BBC Radio 4's Friday Night Comedy News Quiz. Absolute classic. Mm-hmm. It went through, obviously, a bit of a difficult patch last year because they lost Jeremy Hardy. And so they had to have a bit of a shake-up. Miles Jupp also retired from the panel. So anyway, Nish Kumar is the new host. And I just think he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it's so good so far. I think there have been three episodes so far this year. It basically fills that have-I-got-news-for-you shaped hole in your life if you're missing that at the moment. And 
want it on a podcast instead it's great and it's obviously broadcast live at 6 30 on a friday night i download it and then sort of listen to it first thing saturday morning while i'm sort of cleaning up or like getting laundry on the go or whatever and uh, yeah i love it it's just an absolute classic so that's back and i'm glad to report better than ever so i love the news quiz and i'm really upset when it's dead ringers instead yes because they do that sometimes they do and it really upsets me the scheduling is a bit sort of off kilter Mm -hmm. but if you download the podcast app you won't miss it basically if it comes around i also think it's a really good in the same way you can watch reruns of have i got news for you or have i got a bit more news for you or qi or whatever you can go back there's a huge back catalogue isn't there the news quiz and and, you know as long as you were kind of alive and with it over the last decade then you'll appreciate a lot of the jokes and a lot of the humor yeah and also if you sort of struggle to keep on top of current affairs or need something that's just a bit more accessible i think comedy can be a great way into that Mm -hmm. so for those who haven't listened they have comedians on a panel and they give each of them the opportunity to do a kind of three or four minute stand up Mm -hmm. and it's quite punchy often as well oh yeah like they sort of take the piss out of themselves a bit which is quite nice as in and i say themselves i mean the bbc obviously Mm -hmm. has been accused of having this sort of liberal bias and what have you in the last couple of years and they don't shy away from sort of making fun of that so it all feels sort of highbrow but accessible and it always just impresses me how clever these people are I could never go on there and be as sort of acerbic <laughs> as they are but yeah I love it it's one of my favorites do you listen to any other Radio 4 podcasts Desert Island Discs oh yes of course a yeah. classic mm-hmm. but obviously always refreshed with new guests I haven't listened to any of the latest series are there any that are worth listening to yeah I just listened to Michael Lewis who wrote Liars Poker and, and the big short. And the big short. It's really interesting because he kind of talks about working in the financial markets and how for him he was just there to get material to write. Whereas obviously everyone else is there kind of trying to build their careers and make loads of money. And he kind of talks about how it was important for him to get out at the right time before money became his main reason and not material gathering. And uh, yeah, it was good. Have you listened to Harriet? Yeah, I have. I loved it. I mean, I used to be a financial journalist, so it's sort of right up my street. And Michael Lewis was a bit of a sort of poster boy for a lot of us. I was concerned that he might be a bit full of himself. And I didn't get that impression at all. He was actually quite humble and sort of quite self-deprecating, which I enjoyed. But yeah, there are great ones this season. It it kicked off with one of my favourites, I think, of all time, which was Rupert Everett. Oh, Oh, yes. I listened to that one. Okay, downloading that as we speak. Fabulous. Thank you. He was first up on the 9th of January. Um, (laughs) Really touching. He's obviously quite a sensitive person. He's had this huge career through many kind of ups and downs. Exactly. I mean, Lou was talking on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about that Hugh Grant special that you guys watched on the BBC. And it sort of had a similar, I think, vibe to that. He talks a lot. Obviously, he's gay and he sort of lived through HIV crisis and has had to navigate a sort of Hollywood and British film career through lots of changes. When I think of somebody whose career has been massively impacted by coming out, he is, again, he's yeah. like the poster boy for that, wasn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, he talks about some of, you know, my favourite films of all time, Best Friends Wedding and oh, all I of that. that. So one. it's a real treat and a real sort of like, he's just a British national yeah, treasure, he is. isn't he? And his voice is just really nice oh, to listen to. Yeah, yeah, his wonderful voice. voice. Yeah. So, yeah, I loved that one. And then the other one that I thought was interesting, I sort of had higher hopes for it in a way but I still think it's worth a listen is Anne Enright who is an author hers was at the end of January and again very insightful she talks a lot about her process she was born in Dublin in the 60s so she talks a lot about what it was like to grow up as the youngest of five children and sort of how Irish history has sort of played out in her life she went to Trinity College Dublin which is obviously a classic school as well so yeah and she talks a little bit about how she sort of reached the point of her newest novel The Actress which is 
everywhere at the moment. There's so much press about it. So yeah, really interesting. And then the latest one, just to finish, although I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm really excited to, is Zoe Ball was on Sunday. Oh, I well, love as I that. just downloaded Rupert Everett, I saw that and have also downloaded it too. <laughs> yeah. So we can catch up about that She'd one be tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And she's had a lot of sadness recently. Yeah, so yeah. she's had a life. Yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah. Roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. I'm intrigued. Mm. We'll see. Okay, thanks. Becky, what? Is it my big moment? Yeah, it's your big moment. <laughs> it's your time. I'm really going to please a few people yeah. with this. So off your Sherlock's Roundup, Harriet, I chose to listen to Beyond Today, which is hosted by Tina Tahili. So she has hosted the news on Radio 2 Breakfast Show with Zoe Ball for a few years now. And she has got the podcast Beyond Today, which basically breaks up big news stories into 18 minute chunks so it's perfect for me because I must admit I do commute and I have long journeys but when I'm not listening to things I do like to read I like a physical book but I thought for this I would take on the exercise and I listened to the why are we talking about Michael Barry more because actually I think they cover I mean they cover everything from the coronavirus to topics like Michael Barry more to just everyday news and as somebody who likes to be able to talk about news in an intellectual way but also without having to go into the real depths of it you want, it you want is all the substance without any basically the graphs, yeah. all the top line and the big quotes and the sort of little snippets mm. without having to go really in depth and it's really good for that it keeps you abreast of everything without taking too much time mm-hmm. out of your day and I did find this one really fascinating because actually I think the Michael Barrymore saga was slightly before my time mm-hmm. I know about it but I think it's one of those things I keep seeing pop up and thinking oh mm. I'd like to see the documentary and I'd like to know a bit more so this morning found out all about it it does resurface every like few years oh, I, yeah. I know that's I the thing it's well. one of and that's the kind of things they cover they cover things that are out there but you might not necessarily have the time to bookmark or read yeah, yeah, so yeah. and you might brilliant. not know the context yeah well. and it's done in a very informative but quite casual way and so it's just each episode is a different 18 minutes sub- exactly minute subject yeah matter. breaking cool. down what you need to know like the coronavirus was very much sort of I mean, it sounds like it would maybe be a bit boring, but it's really not mm-hmm. because it's so top line and it's so speedy. It's just a bit of me, informative without being too heavy. I think you'd like the daily as well. Yeah, is, oh, well, yeah. I think you mentioned that yeah. to me before and I remember thinking that is so up my street. I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast before, but I mean, a lot of people have heard of it, but it's um, the New York Times Daily Podcast and they do exactly that. They take a subject matter. It can often be a little bit too American and I mean, like, it's skewed towards American news. But actually, again, last week on Instagram, I saw everything going on in Iowa and I was like, I don't understand what actually happened in yeah. Iowa. And I think that was the title of their podcast that day. So again, it takes things that are kind of milling around Buzzing the news around. Yeah, universe and, and breaks them down for you. So yeah. to give that a go as well, because also it's kind of dynamic, even though it's 20 minutes, which sounds quite long on one subject, they will kind of talk but to it's people, not, interviews. Is it? it goes so mm. quick, which is what I found. Good. Clearly, I'm so maybe I will be a podcast person now. Who, who knew? Who ever thought that would happen? Who thought? So happy. <laughs> what about you? Any podcast to recommend? Oh, yeah. So I am listening to How Did We Get Here, which is a weekly release, and I am completely obsessed with this podcast. So it's Dr. Tanya Byron, who writes in The Times two sections every Tuesday, I think, in Body and Soul. And she teams up with, turns out, real-life bestie Claudia Winkleman. And together, they have someone come in to them and they go through what that person's issue is. And they're quite wide-ranging. But generally, because the title of the podcast is How Did We Get Here? It's someone who's in a situation now and they're trying to deal with things that have happened in the past that they don't really understand and why they are in the situation they are, either with a family member or... A lot of it is to do with family, family relationships. So they've had an older son who was talking about his father and he was in his early 20s. But then they've had parents together coming on with little children 
They've also had individuals. So it's not a podcast for parents. I think it's a podcast for anyone who has family relationships, really. So they cover things like parental estrangement, gender identity, trauma, inherited mental health issues. And Claudia meets the people who come in and in her typical way, puts them at ease straight away, has a bit of banter, but kind of cuts through everything really quickly to get to the kind of the nub of the issue. Then they go in and have their session with Dr. Tanya and Claudia's sort of out of the room, but listening as if she's listening with you, the listener. And then they stop at moments and her and Tanya have a little catch up or she then has a catch up with the person who's having the session. And she does things like, oh, why did you ask that question? Why did you go down that route? So it's really fascinating to see how a clinical psychologist works and how a therapy session works. And then when she then talks to the people who are having the session, they'll get into something like, oh, I didn't understand why she was asking me this, but now I'm really beginning to see and I'm thinking about it in a completely different way. And then they just have these kind of penny dropping moments and you just feel it's so heartwarming because you Mm. feel their shoulders drop and they kind of go, oh, it all makes sense now. And I feel, and there's one with a young guy who's talking about his father and he's like, oh my God, all these years, I feel like this whole jigsaw's fallen into place. And it just made my kind of spine tingle listening to it because you could just see he was seeing everything from a different point of view. And it was incredibly liberating for him. And it really makes you stop and think about your own family dynamics and and just the importance of trying to look at something from someone else's viewpoint. I found it very moving. And even things like the gender identity one where I thought, oh, I'm not going to get much out of this. I don't know anyone who's gone through this. But actually, it's just a story about family relationships at the end of the day. Mm. It's not really about necessarily gender reassignment. That was one element, but it touched on so many other Mm. things. And it was really moving. And then uh, what's kind of a continuing theme is so often people go in there and they kind of know what they need to do, but they almost need permission to go and do it. Yeah, and it's quite empowering because you sort of think to yourself, if you're in certain situations in your life, maybe I do have the tools, maybe I do know what I need to do, but I always just need that person to go, come on, just go and do it. Mm. You know what you need to do? You've got to draw your boundaries. You've got to either Mm. let that person go or let that person in or whatever it is. And actually, they all sort of deep down do know. It's so interesting. It's it's so fascinating because you get all these different viewpoints. Mm. I think they've had six episodes and... Claudia always says, and you will come back and tell us how you've gone. So I'm now going, I just can't wait till they'll come back and tell us how you've gone. So yeah, it's really, really good. And there's no kind of Jeremy Kyle-ness to it. It feels kind of sensitively handled. It's incredibly sensitive, Mm -hmm. very gentle, Mm -hmm. very quiet. And then just little injections of humour from Claudia. And she has this incredible ability to tap into the saying the right thing at the right time to either lift the mood or actually go in a bit deeper. Mm. So she's a brilliant host. And together they, I just think they're very good. And they're very honest and they mm. both give a bit of something of their own life. So even Tanya with her teenagers will say, oh, well, actually I found that. And she'll sort of give an anecdote. And you're like, oh, wow, someone who's real. It's not like you're just <laughs> listening to... The therapist on the chair in the corner of the room nodding, not giving anything away. And you just get this incredible insight into her process. And I think, I just find that really fascinating. That alone would fascinate me. I am fascinated by psychologists and how they work and how they unpick you and how they sort of analyse you. I find it quite addictive, to be honest. Yeah, it's compelling. And also the way, there is a bit of a theme though. So I think once you've listened to a few, you kind (laughs) of start listening to it as maybe Tanya's listening Mm. to it. And you're starting to... It's not that there are patterns. Obviously, there's no formula. Everyone is unique in their case. But what she's beginning to look for, her line of questioning is just 
fascinating. Cool that there's, there's that double layer of analysis, mm. like that you then get those separate conversations between her and Claudia. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I definitely would recommend oh, it. Okay, good. I definitely mm. can download that as well. Oh, sorry, again, I feel like I'm going to bring the tone down by talking about something a bit more a bit more lighthearted. I've got two kind of lifestyle podcasts to recommend. Uh, the first is the host podcast with Laura Jackson. So she is presenter and also one half of duo. Jackson and Levine along with Alice Levine and they hosted supper clubs and they've had a range of homeware for Habitat you know they're kind of like lifestyle girls I'm pretty sure they've parted ways don't quote me on that but anyway Laura Jackson has kind of gone down her own supper club path which is host with an E on the end and as part of this kind of 360 lifestyle thing that everybody seems to be doing now she's launched a podcast in which she interviews I suppose tastemakers about hosting and their hosting style and what they like to cook and you know how they decorate their table but that sounds really superficial I'm not going to claim that it's kind of deep and emotional but you know it, people tell these fabulous stories so for example there's only been two so far the first one is Jessie Ware who obviously we're all used to listening to on Table Manners but it's quite nice to have it flip the other way around and she kind of because it's about hosting she talks a lot about what it's like to host Table Manners so that's interesting and you get a lot of kind of side detail about some of the guests they've had and cooking disasters etc etc and also obviously with table manners you kind of we just launched straight into her and her mum and there's no pre-context to that but she talks a lot about growing up and then you know the food that kind of made them and their hosting and that which again if you're just a bit nosy like I am <laughs> is, is really interesting and then the second one is Daisy Hoppen who runs a really successful PR agency here in London and they're long time best friends and she's niece of Kelly Hoppen interior designer and we met when they were both waitressing for a catering company at age 19 but but this catering company, I don't know who it is, but it sounds like the creme de la creme of the London catering scene. And they did the most ridiculous parties. They did, I can't remember who it was. Someone really famous. They did their Christmas day year after year. And again, great stories, amazing tips. Laura Jackson in particular is very modern. Her style of hosting is very kind of Instagram friendly. You know, it's all kind of mismatched plates and bottles of flowers and cool drinks and stuff. And, and so if you're into all of that and you kind of love that Instagram aesthetic, then this is just more tips on kind of how to get that look and feel in to your hosting so I really recommend the other podcast that has just launched that I really enjoyed is called More Than One Thing it's by a lady called Athena Calderon who on Instagram is iSwoon E-Y-E-S-W-O-O-N I followed her for a really long time because she has the most incredible house I have ever seen she lives kind of deep in Brooklyn um, in New York and the house is bit, but not incredible in like a kind of cinema room snooker room kind of way in like a, again incredibly cool incredibly modern and she's an all round again tastemaker she describes herself as an interior designer author visual and culinary storyteller entertaining expert you know she really is a kind of jack of lots of trades and that's the point of the podcast so as I said it's called More Than One Thing and she is going around interviewing all her friends she's kind of part of the kind of New York's social scene and interviewing all her friends who are more than one thing you know the kind of people who whether it's on their Insta bio or in their CV would describe themselves as a this or that you know or whatever but so the, her first one is with Jenna Lyons who's obviously a good friend of hers for those who don't know Jenna Lyons was creative director at J Crew for years and years and years and is like one of my style idols she is so mm-hmm. cool and you know she describes her as somebody who has her hands in like fashion art interior design media so many different pies and it's just really fascinating if you you know I think obviously our generation is so non-linear career wise and if you've ever thought about whether it's starting a side hustle 
or thinking maybe one day you'd like to do this, but also maybe one day you'd like to do that. It's really inspiring because it's putting people out there talking specifically about how that is possible and why that's possible and sort of how to go ahead and do that. Obviously, everybody's story is different, but I don't know who else she's got lined up. That was the first one, but I thought the Jenny Lyons episode was a very good listen. Okay, Harriet, do you want to just run us through some of your other recommendations Maybe three that are worth a download. Well, we did a total of 11 and some of them we've talked about that are in there. But the one I've also really been enjoying is Talk Art, which if people do go to the theatre, they might have heard of Russell Tovey, who is one of the hosts. So he was in the History Boys back in the day. He was also in The Night Manager and Lady in the Van and Angels in America. You'd recognise him. You'd (laughs) recognise him for sure. And he teams up with Robert Diamond, who is a gallerist and... Basically, this is the show. If you don't know anything about art, but you'd like to know a bit about art, but you're sort of one of those people who just sort of thinks, I like what I like, and that's it. They talk through all sorts of things. They talk through exhibitions. They talk about particular works of art, all of which you can follow on their official Instagram as well. So you can sort of look at the images at the same time. And then they get on a bunch of guests, which come from a whole host of creative industries. So acting, music, journalism, etc. So it's definitely one for creatives. The Catch and Kill is another good recommendation, which if you didn't get around to reading Ronan Farrow's book about the Harvey Weinstein scandal, he's now broken it down into a podcast and sort of pushed it a bit further out as well and sort of looks at how investigative journalism really works and what happens when you try and penetrate these really sort of pervasive cultures that are ultimately there to protect the powerful. So another fascinating one. He's also one with a great voice, so very suited to radio, even though he's very pretty to look at. (laughs) And then finally, this is one that I talked about on the show last week, if anyone tuned into that, but I feel like I have to give it another shout out, mainly because Laura Black followed my advice and she's equally into it as well, which is great, which is Dan Snow's History Hit. If you're sort of interested in different pockets of history, like I said earlier with the Chekhov play, I knew nothing about Biafra and the Nigerian secession. So if you feel like you need to sort of top up on your general knowledge, I always feel like when I watch The Crown, they reference these events and I'm just like I knew nothing about that like the smog episode in The Crown I was yeah. like mum what was this I knew <laughs> and nothing about this and my mum then said oh it was a pea super I'm like a, a what yeah. <laughs> this is just mad these are terms that I have no idea so history hit is great and it's absolutely prolific there's probably a new episode every couple of days and they really vary in length so some of them can be almost two hours some of them are under 20 minutes it sort of just depends who Dan Snow who's the host a historian is talking to and they do punctuate throughout the year if there are anniversaries like Holocaust Memorial Day last a couple of weeks ago if there's anything to do with the royal family they sort of look at that but on the whole it can also be quite random so there's sort of equal parts of light-hearted and heavy in there as well. So they had Sam Mendes on talking about 1917, which we all know I'm a massive fan of. And then they had Hugo Vickers on, who is a historical biographer, and he broke down the latest series of The Crown into what he believes are the things they got right and the things that they got wrong. So that was also a bit of a fun one. So there's something in there for everyone. Cool. Well, for more of Harriet's recommendations, then have a look at the feature on the site. We also know that sometimes we talk about things that aren't necessarily in the future. So we're going to endeavour, particularly when it comes to our TV and film recommendations, and podcasts to stick them in the show notes below as well so do have a look there if you haven't had the opportunity to jot down our recommendations unlike Georgina who's been jotting the whole way through I have such a long list now I'm never going out again (laughs) 
since we've been talking about all things culture, I thought we should take a look at this month's Lux list. It is our edit that goes on site monthly about the best skincare, collaborations, fashion, film, all the best things really that you need to have on your radar for the month ahead. So perhaps everybody could just talk a few, a few of their favourites. Becky, there's a new Tom Ford fragrance, which I'm particularly excited about. <laughs> Rose Prick. I can't help but feel, because it's from Tom Ford, that Rose Prick is kind of innuendo of some sort. It feels like this is their way of making a little statement, because last it time does. they then crossed out the, the swear word, didn't they? Yes, because it had so much controversy. Well, their last cult fragrance was fucking fabulous, yeah. which I actually have a bottle that says fucking on it, so I'm going to also, hold on to that. We were cruising out the other day. I thought it was called Mr. Fucking Fabulous, and Heather thought that was so funny. She couldn't stop laughing. It's not a cat's character. I know. Where did you get that from? I, I mean, I mean, beauty, <laughs> but I, did you think it was Mr. Fucking Marvelous? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You are you not a beauty editor? We were in fit. Do you know what it is? It's because the name changed. I was getting so confused. Oh, it was take out the fucking <laughs> Well, confusion anyway. Uh, no, Becky's but, right, though, on our desk. We were in. Oh my god, we're in hysterics. Because can you imagine? You'd just have to give that to somebody in your life, wouldn't you? <laughs> if that was the name. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it almost feels like this is their way of bringing in a little something yeah, without being so obvious and in your face. But it's a beautiful bottle. It, it looks is. gorgeous, doesn't it? It's for people who haven't seen. It's the traditional Tom Ford fragrance bottle, but in rose pink, isn't it? With a black label. Pink. It's really, really yeah. Smart. It's quite statement making, mm-hmm. and it's made up of rose, tonka bean, and patchouli. So it's not your typical sick sweet rose scent because I think it's got a lot of connotations rose of being really sort of grandma-esque but I think the patchouli and tonka will really balance it out and give a bit of depth and warmth to it as well a modern rose and it's quite rare that he brings out a new fragrance isn't it really rare I was thinking that when this dropped last week it just and that's the other thing about their fragrances they just come out of nowhere and you're like whoa well I think they time them quite carefully with a new fashion week and valentine that's true that's true but beautiful I'm excited by that yeah me too Georgina any recommendations from you on this list well, I have been to Vardo's, which is the place to eat on the list, and it is beautiful. So it has won design awards. I think before it even opened, it had it was an award-winning cafe for its design. It's in the middle of Duke of York Square, which is by the Saatchi Gallery off Sloan Square. And I went for brunch, and it was so delicious, and the whole menu feels kind of indulgent, but really healthy as well because the ingredients are quite unusual the team behind caravan but also it's sort of got a global range of ingredients on the menu but my favorite bit was when the bill came when the bill comes it has a spinner so you get this piece of wood and you spin the wheel and there are lots of different options you might get 20 percent off your bill that's fun like (laughs) one meal for free we got a voucher for two people to have a free brunch Oh my God, I love that. What a great idea. And the voucher lasts about a year. So there's no kind of, Amazing. you can have this voucher, but you've got to come between Monday and Wednesday in the yeah. next week. It was like, no, no, whenever you like. Wow. I don't know. Do they administer the spin? Or do they No, like, no, you watch? spin. Yeah, but do they watch you so that they you don't must. keep spinning? Oh, yeah, yeah, they watch. I <laughs> okay. mean, it's the kind of place when they take your order, they squeeze up on the bench next to you and go, so what <laughs> oh, would you like? Oh, well, <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, what do you recommend? Yeah, um, but I don't mind that. And yeah, you've got to spin to win. Cool, I like Everyone's that. Everyone's a winner. No, so I love that. It's a thing when they first opened or if they'll continue to do it. I don't hold us to it if you go there. Yeah, <laughs> don't be disappointed if there's no Wheel of Fortune, but it was, it, I was happy and I've still got my voucher. Yeah, the food sounds absolutely incredible. On our Luxus, we've written, expect the likes of charred aubergine with 
saffron butter milk dressing and grilled chili Ooh, followed gosh. by vanilla and caramel soft serve with caramelised pineapple or rum soaked oh. raisins yes please is yeah. it lunchtime yet yeah mm-hmm. shall we go there now that sounds absolutely delicious thanks Regina Harriet what about you any of your recommendations here well it probably won't surprise you that the thing I'm looking forward to most is the new adaptation of Emma which is coming out on Valentine's Day wait. it's got a good cast as well it just Miranda Hart I know killing it in the trailer <laughs> yeah. doing what she does best totally. um, okay I'm just going to give a shout out to the Instagram follow that I am obsessed with at the moment the handle is at Laura Kitty it's run by uh, Laura McClaws Helms she's a fashion and cultural historian and she basically does the opposite of what most people do on Instagram so you know how Instagram you can you can so easily just be scrolling and scrolling and absorbing loads of images but obviously it's not a platform for reading but what she does is share images of celebrities singers actors you know real kind of particularly Hollywood stars from over the decades with a long blurb with some cultural context to the picture. My favourite is there's that really iconic picture of Faye Dunaway the morning after she won the Oscars outside the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And so she posted that image and kind of in advance of the Oscars last weekend but then posted all the outtakes of that image or kind of not outtakes but you know alternatives that didn't become quite as famous as that one that we're also familiar with with the whole backstory I didn't know that Faye Dunaway and Terry O'Neill ended up getting married off the back of that image you know a relationship was formed from that shoot so loads of great fascinating you know if you're into kind of all the glamour of old Hollywood but also just great outfits great inspo and I have to say I'm not really that into history but I'm definitely into what people used to wear in the 50s and 60s so for me it is the perfect kind of antidote to, to just loads of street style images all over Instagram well if you're looking for more of the Sherlux team's recommendations across fashion beauty music and more then have a look at the Lux list on site we're going to end by talking about Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, if you're listening on the day this comes out. And I want to know, does anyone care? Oh, yeah, God, no. I really just don't ever buy anything for Harry. That's really bad, isn't it? Like, never. I mean, you've like, been together a long time, yeah. so you never celebrated it? I mean, do you know what? I have this real thing about going out on Valentine's Day. It sounds so pathetic, but I have to sing that people always look at you thinking, oh, they're out for Valentine's yeah, Day. Really and I find it, the whole thing, a little bit cringe. We do celebrate. Like, I'd much rather just have a meal in or, like, watch a film together or just actually spend some time together. But we don't... Like, if he ever got me a present, I would be shocked. Let's put it that way. Okay. It's that cards? dynamic. Oh, no. Really? You wouldn't even do a card? Not even a card, yeah. Oh, but we don't even celebrate our anniversary, Charlotte. That gives you an what? idea. Why do you not do that? Don't even know what day it is. So that literally gives You've you an idea. You haven't even got a rough idea. No, I think it was July somewhere. Do you even know what year you started dating? <laughs> so, like, 2010. Okay. Give you an idea. Okay, right. Sure. But, um, yeah. So, no, really okay. sorry. So, romance is dead. That romance in, is dead in this corner. Georgie, what about you? I definitely go with the kind of comedy element mm-hmm. of it. So a card that's kind of a little bit funny and sentimental, nothing too kind of romantic, mm-hmm. and chocolates or something. Okay. Um, As in you would give or you would receive? I would give. I would prefer flowers, mm-hmm. um, if you're listening. And I like I to... I was so excited for when you sent flowers from Flower Box specifically to the office <laughs> on Friday. Thank you. <laughs> I do remember one year when I was working in Soho in my office getting this amazing 
bunch of roses, which oh, I think... For your now husband. For my now husband, yes. And it was like our first Valentine's Day. And I think we went out for dinner and we had the special Valentine's Day set menu where you sit there halfway through you thinking, what are we doing here? This is, a, this is just very surreal. Being in a restaurant full of tables for two. Yeah. Everyone's eating exactly the same thing. There's too much pressure I think to be laughing and smiling and gazing into each other's eyes. And I, I hate going out Valentine's Day. Yeah. No interest at all. I'd rather go out with like, I don't know, some other friends as well. Or something. I just oh no, I'll stay in. But I like to buy the kids' cards now. But I yeah, but I buy kind of silly ones. Yeah, you know, normally something that for my son that will talk about farting or something. (laughs) I love you even though you fart or something like that, which causes great hilarity and lots of chocolates for them and just kind of. Yeah, I think it's just one of those sort of commercial days, yeah. really, isn't it? You've got to take it with a pinch of salt, haven't you? Yeah, I think so. Harriet, you're single. I am. As a singleton, Harriet, do you do anything? Do you hide at home? What do you do? <laughs> I'm very, very against it, but I am more than aware of what a hypocrite I am because when I was in a relationship for over five years we used to go ham. I mean, it, it was <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would get very upset if the present was not big and expensive. Oh, wow. But I put a lot of that down to immaturity. We were in our early to mid-20s. It was the first sort of serious relationship for both of us, I think. But I always think, looking back on it, it started to get a bit competitive mm. and a bit stressful, as in, what's he going to do? And it's, like, all laced with surprise and you don't want to spoil things. But then if he goes massive and you sort of go medium, you sort of feel obliged and it's like this equality thing I also got obviously this was sort of before maybe like second wave feminism had really dug in (laughs) so now I feel very ashamed of myself for being this person being like man where are my roses and him being like oh I'm so sorry Uh, (laughs) and so yes I look back in shame on a lot of those memories and I have really tried to resolve to myself that if and when I get into another serious relationship I will not be that way about it (laughs) and I will hopefully be more Becky about the whole situation (laughs) I mean Um, hashtag and try and rise above it but I know that at heart I'm probably a bit of a sucker for romance so you know if I was with someone and he completely off his own steam sent me flowers at the office or whatever I'd be very touched but I don't want to get into that rigmarole of Mm -hmm. set menus and massive gestures and it being like yeah very political about who's Mm. done what and I have to say now if I was to do something or vice versa it would feel more special like mm-hmm. throughout the year, I mean, not yeah. Just oh, you mean just not yeah, yeah, I mean, when it does happen, it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't think there needs to be a designated day. I'm not anti mm-hmm. it at all. Like, I go for it if you want to celebrate. I just, yeah, it's funny. Isn't I it? suppose the uh, the kind of devil's advocate argument to that. This is also like really anti-feminist. But if you're with a guy who is a bit shit at remembering to buy flowers throughout the year or do romantic gestures or anything like that and things that you would quite like, yeah. then actually it's an opportunity to at least get it once a year. Yeah, it's no, it's unless true. they're really crap and don't even bother doing a Valentine's Day but you know it's, you know, if they're no 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 yours is different it's, it's a mutual agreement <laughs> yeah, no. you know if you're somebody who really wants that and wants flowers and the roses and the chocolates and no, whatever agreed. then at least they've got one mandatory day a year where they yeah, do where it they've they got to rise to the occasion yeah, exactly I think also everyone's very busy everyone's rushing around or it feels like everyone's very busy probably busy doing not very important things <laughs> but I think anything whether it's you know birthday Valentine's Mother's Day Father's Day anything that just makes you stop for a moment even if all you do on that day is just reflect either on your current relationship or a past relationship or just something 
I don't think that's a bad thing. No, yeah. it's definitely not a bad thing. It's the not. only thing I would say is I think there's a danger with these sorts of like commercial holidays that make you perhaps pick holes in something that is okay. Like if your relationship is fine and you don't do big gestures or massive affection, I think sometimes the messaging that we get is like there's something wrong with your mm. relationship if you're not involved in all of that. Yeah. And that's the only thing I, I sort of think is a bit sinister yeah. about it. Because also, who's to say, like, wake up, it's 2020. I don't think roses and chocolates are kind of signifiers of romance mm. really are they they're, they're kind of yeah. oh, a morning cup of tea oh, is yeah. my oh, oh, that, that's oh, showing me the love yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I like something in between a cup of tea and Harriet's their big expensive gestures <laughs> cautionary tale we broke up in an April and I would say the previous February so two months before we broke up was the best Valentine's gift I ever got oh fine okay yeah. so beware so beware, beware. good gift heads your way <laughs> um, well the other thing you can do is Georgina you know you were talking about sending things to your kids um, like send flowers to your mum or to your best friend or something I like the idea of Galentine's Day people talk about that don't mm. they? we yeah. don't on Galentine's Day this year no we no, haven't we have often. we but it is a thing it is a thing treat okay. your gals treat your gals so yeah if you're a bit cringed out about it then hang out with your friends instead just yeah. feel the love feel the love <laughs> wherever you are wherever feel it may the love. come from exactly <laughs> alright I think we'll leave it there if you've got any feedback at all please do email podcast at shitlux.com we love hearing from you don't forget to rate review subscribe and tell your friends bye bye <laughs> 